Verse number one, the hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley, which was full of bones. So all kinds of things in the Bible. And here we find a vision of a bunch of skeletons and an open grave uh, and a valley that looks like it has skeletons scattered all over it, these dry bones. And it pictures an army that has been conquered and defeated and uh, laying there and then having uh, their flesh picked off of their bones and nothing but bones laying out there in the, in the valley and some open graves it looks like. So he says, he took me out into this valley which was full of bones and caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, there were very many in the open valley and lo, they were very dry. And he said unto me, son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. Now, the prophetic order that's given in this chapter and really in the prophets themselves, is two-part. First, the regathering of the Jews to their land. And secondly, their conversion to their Messiah. So we're going to look at those two things, the regathering of the Jews to their land and the conversion to their Messiah. But you see the order of that in verses 12 and 13. Therefore prophesy and say unto them, he says, prophesy to the bones, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves and bring you into the land of Israel, and ye shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up out of your graves. The picture of this is that Israel has been defeated, been defeated militarily, politically, spiritually, and that the nation was without hope, and uh, they'd been put to bed with a shovel, so to speak. The nation was dead. And can a nation live that's in a condition like that? And, and, and God says, yes, they will live again. They'll come back from that. They'll come back from the deadness of their situation. First, they'll be regathered to their land. And secondly... They'll be converted to their Messiah. You see both of those. The gathering to the land, verse 12, and then the conversion to their Messiah in verse 13. You shall know that I am the Lord. You see both of those. Now, in 1917, there were 25,000 Jews in Palestine. And what do we see uh, unfolding in the morning newspaper and on the news stations? But the prophecies of the Bible just unfolding. We see the, the, the newspaper is proving that the Bible is true. Prophecies from hundreds of years ago coming true right before our very eyes. We see it all around us even today. The fulfillment of these prophecies. Can these dry bones live again, son of man? And he says, thou knowest. Well, in 1932, it went from 25,000 to 180,000. These are people returning, Jews returning to their land. 1945, 500,000. 
Then 2002, 3 million plus Jews in their land. Today, 6.7 million in the state of Israel. That's according to the Jerusalem Post. So you see exactly what God says. First, they're going to be regathered to their land. And then, coming soon, they will be converted to their Messiah. And we're going to see that a little bit in the Bible as we study this. Now, Israel was established as a nation again in 1948. It had not been a nation, not an independent nation, since 600 B.C. You see that? 600 B.C., that's the end of them. Dead bones. 1948, they become a nation again. And God starts to regather Israel. And you know, people who studied the Bible thought these end-time prophecies, they can't be. They can't be. Maybe we're misunderstanding. Maybe we shouldn't read it literally. Maybe we're supposed to see it kind of symbolically and spiritually because the nation of Israel is gone and she's not coming back, boys. And so you know what all the major universities and colleges in this country were teaching right around the 1900s, early, early 1900s? You know what they were teaching? They were teaching that God is all done with Israel. And they were teaching that the church has replaced Israel and that all the promises apply to us spiritually. So we spiritualize everything. It doesn't mean what it really says We're not supposed to take it literally. So that's what they were teaching. But good men from yesteryear, such as C.I. Schofield, Schofield Reference Bible, Pastor Haddleman of the First Baptist Church of New York, uh, these these men early on, before 1948, before the the beginning, the reestablishment of the nation, D.L. Moody, you familiar with him? Reuben A. Torrey? Even Charles Haddon Spurgeon, going back farther into the 1800s, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, all of them studied their Bible and uh, they all predicted that the Jews would have to be regathered to their land. Otherwise, the prophecies cannot be fulfilled. Are you a student of prophecy? Do you like prophecy? Samuel Clemens took a trip to Israel's Watch Point. Okay. He took a trip to Palestine back then. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mark Twain, looking at that place, said something like it's a, it's a goat heap. Yeah, and it was a desert, a barren wasteland. I read that they had put millions of dollars, the Jews did when they came back in, into irrigation and agriculture and stuff like that, trees and so on. Yeah, they put millions of dollars, and now it's like a blossoming like a rose. Yeah. Almost like the Garden of Eden. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, these men proclaimed what the Scripture says about Israel being regathered to their land. And the, the uh, colleges and universities, the scholars, you know, the scholarship, they, they made fun of them. They made fun of them. Look who's laughing now. It just, now, there's a point there for you, folks. Just because scholarship says a thing is so doesn't mean that it's necessarily so. That's why, that's why I preach that. You, you just go by the Bible. And somebody said it this way, 
When in doubt, throw scholarship out. And it's so true. Throw scholarship out as to what they say about the Bible. I mean, you can't trust them. They're, they're more crooked than a barrel full of fish hooks. You can't trust them. They're more crooked than a barrel full of snakes. You know, uh, throw scholarship out. Now, they, what they said about this, they were wrong. Scholarship falsely claimed that the church fulfilled the literal promises to Israel. The promises should be spiritualized, and God is done with the Jews as a nation. Who did that? Seventh-day Adventism, the Catholic Church, the Protestant churches, the Reformed churches, and, and, and others. Yeah. What about them covenants? Yeah. And you know, you know what that meant? That meant the, the great, the vast majority of so-called Christendom, the vast majority of Christendom rejected what the Bible said on the matter. And there, there was a remnant, a small group, and we are included in that. That's our, that's our heritage. Stuck with the Bible. We believe the Bible. That's the fundamentalists. They stuck with it. And uh, you're on the right side. Might not be right about everything. You know, the fundamentalists have got a lot of things off base and things like that. But uh, not perfect, but we were right on that. Now, Again, if you love prophecy, this is, this is Prophecy 101. You've got to understand this. Um, if you love the Word of God, this is a major theme in the Scriptures. Why don't you hear it taught and preached in pulpits? How often have you ever heard a message on the second coming of Christ? I mean, just a message on the second coming of Christ or on a message on Israel. That would be a great message to hear in church, especially considering... I hope the preachers up there in Washington are preaching on Israel because we're supposed to bless them. You, the moment that this church or this nation stops blessing Israel, you know that this nation is really going down the slope towards the end times uh, prophecies and the end of this nation. So as long as we support Israel, we're on the right side. God will bless us. Now, um, let's look a little bit closer at Ezekiel 37. I want to give you a general outline and an explanation of the chapter so that you can understand it sort of at a, at a glance. Verses 1 through 14, 1 through 14, Ezekiel predicts the revival of a hopeless nation that was put to bed with a shovel. 1 through 14. So basically it's the restoration of Israel. 1 through 14. And you see there in verses 11 through 13, let's read that again. Then he said unto me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. You see that? You want to know what them bones are? Verse 11 tells you. They're the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say our bones are dried and our hope is lost. We are cut off for our parts. And it looks hopeless. But when God steps into the situation, he can stir up the hope. Therefore prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come out. He's not talking about individuals. He's talking about the nation. Politically going to be revived. Uh, economically going to be revived. And spiritually going to be revived. They're going to be converted to the Messiah. The old stony hearts are going to be taken out and they're going to be given a heart of flesh. And they're going to believe. Um, so that's the first part. That's the restoration of Israel. Now, 15 through 28, take a look at those. The word of the Lord came again unto me, saying, 
15 all the way down to the end of the chapter predicts the reuniting of the two kingdoms of northern Israel and southern Judah being put back together. The reuniting of the two kingdoms. You see, it's so specific that you've got to just not want to believe what you're reading in order to try to apply it to the church spiritually. He's talking about there was division in the kingdom. When did the kingdom break? It was after the death of Solomon, you remember? And his son, Rehoboam, right? And then you had Jeroboam. Jeroboam was in the north, Rehoboam in the south. Rehoboam did not follow the advice of the elders. Um, I think it was Rehoboam. I'm going to have to go back and read that again. Do I have that right? And the elders said, take it easy on people and... He said, no, and something about if my father's loins were like my pinky or something like that, I'm going to be be like the thickness of my leg. And so he's saying, I'm going to show him how tough I am. And then he lost the people's support, and the kingdom split, and the top half went with Jeroboam. Yes. Yes. Yep, so... And the southern half being Benjamin and Judah, those two tribes. So there was a split there and uh, basically a civil war. We had a civil war in our country and our country almost split, but it didn't, thank God. Um, But there was a civil war in Israel and a split. God's going to put them back together, make them one nation. See verse 22, you can see it real clear. And I will make them one nation in the land upon the mountains of Israel And one king, not two, not Jeroboam and Rehoboam, but one king shall be king to them all, and they shall be no more two nations, neither shall they be divided into two kingdoms any more at all. So it's predicting the reuniting of the two kingdoms. There will be 12 tribes again. Yes. Yeah, the 10 tribes up in the north. Yeah, they're not gone forever. Right. Yeah, and they try to say that you can't even trace their DNA. There's no way to put them back together. Well, you're, you're looking at it from man's eyes. And God is able to put them back together. God's going to take 12,000 out of every tribe, make them into the Jewish evangelists of the 144,000. God's going to be able to find 12,000 from every tribe, and He knows how to do that. So, um, so that's the, the chapter at a glance. Now, the bones... The very dry bones, can these bones live? Again, I say it is not the church. It's not the church. Some people say the church is the true Israel, or we're the Israel of God, and that's, that's what it is. Some people say this. This is, this is how they put it, and it's not right. They try to say that... They ignore what the Bible teaches about there being the... Uh-oh, left that open. Just put that down here, so... They ignore what the Bible teaches about there being three groups. The Jews, the Gentiles, and the... What's that third group? Jews, the Gentiles... And there's one more group. There's, there's only three groups of people in the whole world right now. The church. That's the 
Well, this is, there's only three people in the whole world right now. You're either a Jew or you're a Gentile or you're in the church. If you're in the church, there's, you're no longer a Gentile. The, the national distinction is lost. If you're in the church, you're not a Jewish Christian, you're a Christian. Um, if you're a church, you're not a Filipino Christian, you're a Christian. You're not a black African Christian, you're a Christian. <laughs> you know, if you're in the church. That's three groups of people in the world. That's what the Bible teaches. That's from Paul. That's from Paul. Now what the Reformed theologians teach, and they get it from the Catholic Church, and they get it from Origen and from Augustine, they teach this. They teach you had this thing coming along, the Jews. God started the Jews with Abraham, you know, the Hebrew people, and then they became the, the nation of Israel. You got the Jews coming along, and then God says, I'm all done with the Jews. And that happens, you know, at the cross. And roughly about that point, Jesus preaches, they reject him, and they crucify their Messiah. So now since they crucified their Messiah, God's all done with the Jews nation of Israel, which is, you're right, like this is, they say this is like the physical or literal, either way you want to put it, and now you have the true Jew, the Jew in heart, they, they quote scriptures such as those who are circumcised in heart are the true Israel or the true Jew, now they say that the church is now the true Jew, and now the church carries on. So basically, we are the continuation of the Old Testament plan that God had to have a people called Jewish people or Israel. So now the church is the new Israel or the continuation of the Israel from the Old Testament. They do that and they say that like, like Abel was in the church, you know, Abraham was in the church, Enoch was in the church. That's, not, that's, that's a big Bible mess. That's a Bible blunder. As uh, my first pastor used to like to use words like that. He'd use words like gobbledygook and Bible blunders and stuff like that. Always made me laugh. But this is what happens. You have the Jew in the Old Testament and come up to the cross. They crucified their Messiah. Now God sets them aside. So he puts them up on a shelf. Now the Jew is up on a shelf, and later on God's going to pull him back down off the shelf and do something with him. But now you have the mystery church age that nobody saw that starts on Acts chapter 2. It's a mystery. And the Jew, again, we're going to look at something in just a second. The Jew being resurrected at the end of the tribulation was not a mystery. It's not a mystery. It's something that the Orthodox Jews believed in. They believed in the resurrection of the dead. It's not a mystery, but this is, and the rapture is a mystery, okay? The restoration of Israel is a mystery, but not their resurrection at the end of the tribulation. The See, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's that's good. Then he adopts us in, puts us in through there. Yeah. And when you get to seven and a half years in, then he brings the Jew back in. So we have to have a remnant of the Jew bring his kingdom back into order. Yeah. So the sixty-nine weeks of Daniel's prophecy, 
He said 70 weeks is what God is going to do. 69 weeks, 70 weeks totals the times of the Gentiles. 69 weeks, the, the prophetic clock stops. Right there. You have this mystery church age that nobody saw coming. Yes. So we could, it might be more accurate to say Israel. He puts Israel, the nation of Israel, on a shelf. And Israel's done for. 70 AD, their, their temple's destroyed. They're scattered. They're dispersed to the four winds. Uh, they're done for. They're on the shelf. But God is not done with them altogether. He's not done with them entirely. Yes. Yeah, so after the church age, you have the resurrection and then you have the 70th week of Daniel's prophecy. That's a good way to put it, Brother Clifford. I'm glad you said that because that helps it to be a little bit more understandable. Now, 400 and how many years? I forget now. 490 years? We have 490 years in Daniel. Yeah. So right now we're at 483. Yeah, okay. So this, this would be 483 years. Right now. Yeah. And then you have those remaining seven. Seven years. And seven years would make a week. That's there's 69 weeks of years. 70th week makes seven years. That is, once this happens, when the Lord returns, that's the end of the times of the Gentiles. That's the end of the times of the Gentiles. What is God dealing with in the tribulation? He's dealing with His people again. And He's going to restore them after the tribulation. There's going to be a remnant of Israel that's saved out of it. And then he's going to restore the nation after the second advent. I'm going to draw another one of these charts. Yes. Yes. Yes, sir. That's right. That's right on. And uh, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. Look at Amos. You're real close to it. Go to the right. You'll have uh, Daniel. You'll have Joel. Or, excuse me, you'll have Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos. Amos chapter 9. This is my Bible answer. If you want a Bible answer for somebody who says God's all done with the Jews, maybe you have a Seventh-day seventh day Adventist friend or a Reformed uh, Calvinist friend, and God's all done with the Jews. This is your Bible answer. Somebody asks a Bible question, you've got to give them a Bible answer. So Amos 9, all the way at the end of the chapter, or just remember this, it's all the way at the end of the book of Amos. Chapter 9, verse 14 and 15, For those people who say God's all done with Israel, that these promises, they're to the church, that God's all done with Israel, you take them to this and show them this. We saw that Ezekiel 37 was to the whole house of Israel. Now look at Amos 9 and verse 14 and 15. Especially looking at verse 15. And notice the, the promise there. He's saying that I will no more. What does it say there? No more. They'll no more be pulled out of their land. Okay, so the people who think that the church has replaced Israel, they say that this was fulfilled after the Babylonian captivity. Now, what are you going to do with that? They'll say this was fulfilled after the Babylonian captivity. This is past 
historical prophecy. It's already been fulfilled in history. What, how, why would we say it can't be? Yeah. He gave right now they, they occupy thirty thousand square miles and he and they own three hundred thousand square miles. Yeah. So they don't have, they don't have complete nothing of what they generally own. Mm-hmm. So they're top three. Yeah. Okay. And then add to that verse fifteen, he says, I'll plant them upon their land, and they shall no more be pulled out. They were pulled out after the return from the Babylonian captivity. They were pulled out yet again. Yeah. But this time when he puts them back in, they'll never be pulled out again. So somebody tries to say that, say that cannot be true because they were pulled out after the Babylonian captivity and the return from Babylon. So it was not fulfilled at the return from the Babylonian captivity. But what God promises is the permanent restoration of Israel. That's what's coming. And you know what else he's promising? The end of all seven major world religions. Done. Done for. Never to be heard of again. And the UN will be destroyed. Russia will be destroyed. You know, maybe, maybe the, the countries themselves will go on in the millennium, but those world powers will be destroyed. All of that gone. <laughs> oh, and I do say thank God. Uh, and like I said... You want to be behind Jesus when he comes back. Are you behind him? You want to be back of him. You don't want to be in front of him when he comes back because the, the, those that are enemies of God when he comes back are going to be destroyed. Let me draw this last chart to try to help us to see this. And you, you know I love timelines if you've been here for any amount of time. Um, and you know why I do? Because I heard people talking about this stuff and teachers teaching it, and it wasn't until they drew it up on the board that my mind finally said, oh, it's clicking, you know, and and the light bulb comes on. And I'm like, I get it. So here's a timeline. Here's the rapture of the church. That is the end of the church age. The church goes up, Jesus comes down, and we meet him in the clouds in the air. And then so shall we ever be with the Lord. Now that's the beginning of the seven-year tribulation. I'm going to kind of expand this out. You know what the ending of the tribulation period is? What marks it is the return of the Lord. When He returns, and He returns for vengeance. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. So He returns for vengeance. That's the second advent, or the second coming. I've been trying to say just the second coming. Right there. That marks the end of the seven years. We talked about Daniel's 70th week. So, uh, Daniel's 70th week, and that's seven years. That's this time, right there, right there. Okay, during this time, what happens? How is Israel restored through all of this? That's what I want to talk about for just a second. Ezekiel 37 is really teaching us, it's, it's, it's the post-tribulation rapture, can these dead bones live? Yes, they'll live. And it's, it's literal, it's like I said, you've got to take the Bible literally as much as possible. Is it a picture of, 
of the, of the reviving politically, socially, economically? Yes, but it is literally dry bones, the dead coming out of the ground. So what you have is at the end of the tribulation, before the, or the Lord will be coming back, and as he does, he will catch up the tribulation saints that have died in Christ. So these are Jewish tribulation saints that have died in the tribulation. They're caught up to be with the Lord. Guess who else comes up? At that time, Old Testament Jewish saints. Old Testament Jewish saints come up. And again, this is not a mystery. Every Orthodox Jew believed in this. If you take a look at Acts 23 real quick, we'll wrap it up. And I'm going to get us out of here before the end of the hour. I know that nobody believes me, but I'm going to... Acts 23... Acts 23, here's Paul preaching on this. And uh, we'll, go, we'll go here, and then we'll go to Matthew 24, and then we'll go home. Acts 23, verse 6. But when Paul perceived, he, you know, he's, he's in a pickle again, and the Jews were seeking to kill him. But Paul figured out a brilliant way to get out of the situation. He was in hot water uh, but when Paul perceived that the one part were Sadducees and the other part Pharisees, he cried out in the council, Men and brethren, I am a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee. Of the hope of the resurrection of the dead, I am called into question. And he like dropped a bomb there in the meeting when he said that. When he had so said, there arose a dissension between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the multitude was divided. For the Sadducees say that there is no resurrection... They're not orthodox, neither angel nor spirit, but the Pharisees confess both. Then there arose a great cry, and the scribes that were of the Pharisees' part arose and strove, saying, We find no evil in this man. So he found a great way to divide and conquer there. Then look later on at 26, Acts 26. Paul uses the same teaching. Again, the Pharisees, the orthodox Jews, believed in the resurrection of the dead. Chapter 26, verse 5, uh, which knew me from the beginning, if they would testify that after the most strictest sect of our religion, I lived a Pharisee, Paul's testimony of himself. And now I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise made of God unto our fathers, unto which promise are twelve tribes instantly serving God day and night, hope to come, for which hope's sake, King Agrippa, I am accused of the Jews. Why should it be thought a thing incredible with you that God should raise the dead? Why should that be thought incredible? You see, why do you think that that's incredible? That God would raise those dead bones? The Old Testament Jewish saints? A nation that was set on a shelf? But God is going to raise them up again? And the Jewish tribulation saints that die in the tribulation... You say, what's going to happen to the rest of the Jews that lived, that fled to Salopetra, that remnant, what's going to happen to them? They're going to walk right into the millennium. Jesus is going to protect them, put down all their enemies, and they're probably going to trample over their blood, walking right into the millennium. And then what's going to happen once they get into the millennium? Well, that's our last, 
That's our last uh, place to look, Matthew 24. Matthew 24. You see, when you start to understand this stuff, people don't even know this exists in the Bible. But when you start to see it, you start to see, wait a minute, God was doing something different with the Jews than He is with the church. It starts to become clearer and clearer and clearer that there's a different program for each of them. We're all saved because of the atonement that was made on the cross. That's, uh, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about God restoring the nation of Israel. So Matthew 24. Now I didn't... Let me see. I did write this down. Matthew 24, verse 31. Now that's, that's Israel being uh, delivered. And now we're going to talk about them being regathered into their land and then converted to their Messiah. So Matthew 24... In verse 31, immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be... That's 29. I'm reading 29. Let's go ahead and read it anyways. Shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light and the stars shall fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. That's literal. Those are signs in the heaven when Jesus comes back and everybody's going to see him. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven... And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Hallelujah. And he shall send forth his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect. Who's that? The Jewish people, the Jewish elect. From the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. You see what's going to happen? is when he comes back, he's going to send forth his angels and the Jews that are not in Israel are going to be gathered together. He's going to gather together his elect. And that's different than the rapture. We're not gathered by, by angels. We're caught up to be with the Lord in the air. Jews are gathered together and he brings them in with those who walk out of the tribulation uh, being brought in, gathered by the angels. The Jewish tribulation saints that were dead, the Old Testament Jewish saints that were dead, being brought with the Lord. And then the others from all over the world regathered to Israel. And Matthew 24 will be fulfilled. And then Ezekiel, remember I said the second half of Ezekiel, the, the conversion to their Messiah. At that moment, he's going to give them new hearts. They will be converted. They will believe in their Messiah. All of Israel will believe in their Messiah. So they will be delivered from trouble and the tribulation. They will be regathered to their land from all over the world. They'll finally, everybody who's not already in their land will be in their land. Matthew 24 and then Ezekiel 37, they'll be converted to their Messiah. That's the future of the nation of Israel. And you know what the world is going to look like then? The world will be run by a Jewish king sitting on a throne in heaven, or in, in Jerusalem, excuse me, Mount Zion, and governed by a Jewish nation. And then you'll have all of the other nations in the world governed. They'll come to Israel. There'll be a, water, a river of water of life coming out of the throne of God, be trees on either side of that river, and they can come and eat from those trees, and the, the, the leaves are for the healing of the nations. People will live long lives like they did back in Genesis in the early parts, 
Um, the, the land will be healed. There won't be poisonous snakes anymore. There won't be anything eating anything. No, no dinosaurs eating anything. Um, the, all of that will be gone. Yes. Yeah. And someday we will be strong and healthy and we'll never sin again and we'll never die. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So cheer up if you're going through sickness and, and troubles. Uh, one day you will be strong and healthy and we'll never.